Everyone needs a website. WordPress, Wix, HTML, Joomla, Dreamweaver, Squarespace, Google, on and on and on. What do you do? Join us on today's Straight Shot Marketing Podcast, coming right up after this. Welcome to Straight Shot. Marketing is everywhere. It's around your life. From what you eat, to what you wear, and where you go. It is a vital part of any and all business. Let's discuss the world of marketing and business as it influences everyday life with the staff of Atlanta Marketing Agency, Reformation Productions, and guests as they give it to us straight. Get ready. Take aim. Steady. Welcome to Straight Shot. Hello, Straight Shooters. We are joined today by a very special guest named Frank Scott. <laughs> hey there. Hello. <laughs> he is a webmaster extraordinaire, UI UX project designer, what, whatever he is. He's a bunch of everything. Welcome, Frankie. Thank, Thank you for you. being here. Thank you for having me. Um, so, web design. You've come to the right place. You're confused. You don't know what to do. Welcome. You're in the right place. We've got three web folks here. You've probably seen our work, just to name a few examples. I have worked on the Napa Auto Care's website as well as Label Village. Frankie here on uh, Dick's Sporting Goods and X-Bowling and a myriad of others. And Zachary on Lowe's Home Improvement, Bank of America. We've worked on several projects together as well as separately. We know web design. Yeah, it's one of the most important things that we do for our client companies. No, number one, brand development. Number two would be consumer targeting. Then number three is web development, which actually should be referred to as digital since it includes apps and so much more nowadays. Yeah, and it seems like they're, you know, you can log online or see web commercials and there's tons of places to, uh, tons of resources out there to build your own websites and have websites built. So Zachary, with all of these resources being put out on to the internet, tell me why are websites and web design so important to begin with? Well, there are several reasons why the web is so important, and it is. No mistaking that. The web is very, very important. It shows viability for a company. Uh, if you don't have a website, people want to know why you don't have a website. Uh, not having one makes uh, them second-guess you uh, in the marketplace. Maybe you're not a real company. Maybe you're uh, an upstart or a scam. That happens a lot. Same thing if it looks cheap poorly made or thrown together. It is the second part of the customer experience. It is the first place that people are gonna go after hearing about your business. It is your home on the internet. It's the hub. It's the center of your company's digital universe. It's attached to the company's overall communication universe. Everything points to the website and it's your real estate and therefore your responsibility on the web. In regards to, you know, websites and apps and everything, buzzwords abound. Okay, tons of buzzwords yes, used, in, right, used in corporate America. And a lot of these buzzwords can confuse business owners. So let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the latest buzzwords that are going around for our business owners, UI and UX. 
Um, UI designer and UX designer are both terms that are born out of the growing importance of web design, hence the name of this episode, UI, UX, the importance of web design. Uh, Again, because it is your home on the internet and it is so important that you need to take care of your home. At first, um, the UI, UX were thought to be different approaches, different web development philosophies. UI stands for user interface. It was a buzzword first. Uh, It's the hands-on designing. It's centered around how a user is going to interact or interface with the website physically. It's about function. What happens when a user changes screens or clicks a certain button? What buttons or elements need to be where? And it focuses on presentation and operation and the three... uh, W3C compliance of a website. Then UX came later and was thought to be different, human-first design philosophy. However, since that time, it has been agreed upon by the powers that be in most circles uh, that it is simply the bigger picture of the overall design process. UX is UI plus all the additional things that is necessary to make your website Good. It is a big picture view of the process. Its primary goal is that the user comes away from the website with a positive experience, with them getting everything that they needed to become a customer of your business. It determines to meet expectations, enhance satisfaction, encourage loyalty, and ease of use, focusing on strategy, content, and what all of those elements mean to the user. It ensures business needs and user needs are connected. Now at larger firms, these are defined roles within the firm, all working within the process. They have to do with different skill sets that are involved in the various different stages. Uh, You can be in UX and not be a programmer or physical designer. You can do, you know, research or um, do uh, testing and and work on, on, flow and that sort of thing. UX is concerned with the overall goal. What are the pain points? What would make it easier? They are crafting and designing the experience, not necessarily the interface itself. UI is more focused on the, specifically on how does this go on this screen? You know, what's the most important element on this screen visually? They are designing the actual interface using all of the homework provided by the UX designer. Now, in larger firms or projects, these roles are split up amongst different people, sometimes several people. For smaller projects or firms, these roles tend to to overlap and you can work in UI and UX at the same time. For new projects here at Reformation, we typically go through these stages. Number one is development. We answer any questions, which is why, what, how, where, who, right? And then we seek to understand the users based on their targeted consumer profile. You know, what are their goals? What are their needs? What are their wants? Um, What are their desires? Then we construct the different wireframes for what that's going to look like. Okay, and then the second phase would be design. That's where we ensure brand compliance, that we have consistency in message and presentation with the website, as well as any of the other tools that have been uh, made in the company's universe. 
Uh, it goes through copywriting and it goes through visual design. And then thirdly, it goes into programming. That's where that design is turned into little bits of code and, uh, and makes to where people can actually see it function on the internet. Then it goes through testing to make sure that everything that was programmed uh, works appropriately. And then, of course, the last thing that we do is we wor worry about the, the hosting of the site and then maintaining it as things constantly change uh, moving forward. Yes, there are a lot of steps that go into creating websites and apps. And sometimes these steps aren't always in sequential order. No, they can jump around depending on... Um, on who the client is. You know, if if the client already has an existing website and you're only working uh, to improve it, then you wouldn't start back at the very beginning of the stage. So yeah, it's very flexible, but generally speaking, those are the steps. Yeah, there's back and forth and there's reviews and mm -hmm. there's re-edits and things. Okay, so we're gonna take a quick break and pay some bills. We'll be right back after a few words from our sponsor. This episode of Straight Chat is brought to you by Tresta. Tresta is a business phone app for your iPhone or Android that allows you to activate a business phone number instantly and make and receive unlimited calls and texts right from the smartphone you're already using. Whether you're a freelancer or a founder, growing your business is all about communication and networking. You've got to be available, no matter if you're in the office, traveling for business, or working remote. Tresta's virtual phone system allows you to separate your personal and business phone numbers to get work done anywhere at any time. Tresta also comes equipped with powerful call management features like auto attendance, call recording, and user groups. It's easy to configure so you can set everything up yourself all online and customize your call flows based on your business needs. Tresta is the best phone system for small businesses and entrepreneurs. Whether you just need a business phone number or if your team is ready for a complete business phone system. It's just $15 per user per month and comes with a 30-day free trial so you can see if Tresta's virtual phone system is right for you. Communicate smarter and more efficiently from anywhere with Tresta. Start now at Tresta.com forward slash straight shot. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com slash straight shot, all one word. This episode is sponsored by RIMS, a global organization dedicated to the profession of risk management. For nearly 60 years, RIMS has delivered the latest strategies and resources that allow risk professionals to grow, innovate, and succeed in any business. RIMS works with industry leaders to provide content and online training that business professionals can turn to. Topics include business continuity, cyber risk, risk management techniques, the fundamentals of insurance, and more. There's also a private members-only site where people can discuss sensitive issues and get honest answers. Members have been leaning on each other as we all navigate this pandemic. If you're concerned about the safety of your employees and the sustainability of your organization, then you need the resources and connections that RIMS provides. Learn more at go dot rims dot org forward slash shot you could get 25 percent off a year-long membership okay now welcome back everybody let's dig in and talk about design itself okay there are design trends that change from year to year 
Some elements stay around, some change and alter, some fade like the mullet and the bell bottom. <laughs> what are some other uh, elements? What are well, Frank? What are some trends that you see nowadays? I know it's changed a lot uh, over the, and it changes all the time. We're constantly having to update our clients' websites because right. it's you know the look and feel has changed over time. Well, the big stuff now is mobile first. Because yeah. mobile is so important, if you're not optimized for a mobile experience, then you're kind of dead in the water. So everybody has even gone from initially was like mobile responsive was like the yeah. few. Like the, you need to have it as an option. Right. That was like the big deal a few years back. And now it's like mobile responsive is kind of going to the wayside. Now it's mobile first. So everything is designed with the persona of it's on the phone and the user is going to access all your information from the phone. So that's kind of the big trend right now. That's been steady now the past few years. I don't see that kind of going away until the next well, there is web app, but that's a whole other ballgame. But the mobile, mobile, mobile first yeah. is the big trend right now. Yeah. Well, we've seen things like, um, you know, when when icons first started being used, that was a was a trend. That's still here. It's yep. changed, but it's still a trend. We went from um, having, um, you know, three D looking animation, and then mm -hmm. you know when Apple came out with the uh, upgrade to the iPhone, and all of a sudden all the images were flat. The yep. entire world went flat. Now we're starting to see that come back around again. So there's lots of different things that we see uh, in design. Hero images were really uh, big. Now people are doing full screen images or video behind on you know on home pages. Right. There's lots of different stuff like that. Um, you know, parallax was uh, was really big just a couple of years ago. That's, yeah, that was all the rage. Yeah, that's the, you know, the background image. And yeah, the when you scroll and yeah. then you have animations that come in. Now there's uh, there's a tendency to do um, subtle animation. There's animation that is so slight that it barely catches your your eye. All micro interactions. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. That is the next the next big thing. Too. Yeah, and I feel like the actual size of websites, I mean like the physical real estate of the eye. That's because monitors have gotten bigger. But I think, you know, <laughs> now we've got hero images that stretch from one side of the screen yeah. completely to the other. You know, where before a website, like before as in like a decade ago, websites seem to be like smushed toward the center of the screen yeah. and there's white space on either side and everything's kind of like centered. Now it stretches it like the actual physical width of websites are big. And I feel like, and I'm speaking from a graphic designer, sort of like the designer aspect of it. Um, the actual, like, uh, you know, there used to be just above the fold, which is where, yes. you know, uh, if you have a magazine and it folds in half, people really, the most important news happens above, above. the fold. And right. if you want more information, you gotta you got to unfold the second half of the newspaper. Well, websites are the same way. If you used to be, uh, unimportant or less important information was you had to scroll for it. So right. there was a trend for a while where we wanted to get rid of scrolling altogether and just make right. everything all in one screenshot. So that way, in, in order to navigate the site, you went right left as opposed to uh, uh, scrolling. And I think that's changing now. Yeah, yeah. that kind of kind of went away with the, the whole user experience. It was kind of like what to give a, a better, broader mm -hmm. experience. You would utilize the entire site now and kind of delivering that to, instead of just you know concentrating on that one little narrow. Because with different high density monitors now, resolutions has changed. So there really is no above the fold anymore. So designers are like, how do we kind of utilize? It's act, from a design standpoint, it was very frustrating for me because I was like, the monitor sizes are all so different. How right. do you know what's above their fold and that they had to scroll? Because there's nothing worse than designing a website that's supposed to be all in one sort of screen, but the screen that this person has is so big that they have to, or so small, 
that they have to scroll just like a little. Right. Just take that one little thing. Just a little, and it's super annoying. Well, I think I think parallax kind of helped that too because with parallax you have to scroll in order to make the animations happen. Right. So they wanted to promote the idea of scroll down into you know in order for that to to happen. And you know the the public art society is very very flexible. They, they do what they're told. So if enough people move in one direction, uh, you know, people adjust and they get used to it. And I think that Frank's point about everything moving mobile first makes the parallax experience just you a little different. You have to scroll mobile first. Right. Yeah, and I think people are very busy and their worlds are very noisy. And I think having a, a either an app or a website that is kind of simple and clean and easy to navigate is is, you know, preferred. Because they don't need all the bells and whistles when they're going through the app because they've got all this other crap that they're contend w- contending with. So um, I think that, you know, things moving to mobile ready changes the game a lot. And I remember when all, you know, it, it wasn't cool unless it had like a bevel or a shadow behind it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they were all, they weren't square. That's pseudo 3D kind of, you know. They yeah. were rounded. Like not round, but they were like, um, they were, what do they call it? Like a rounded... Rectangles. Yeah, rounded corners. The curve, rounded yeah. corners. Busier curve. Or yeah, ev- but everything, everything. Like, that's how you were And edging. a little shine, too. The little yes. like reflection yes, shine. Yes, so that it was bubble-y. Right. Gotta have that. Well, I think now, I think a lot of uh, design is coming out really sharp. Like, sharp lines, edges, fine, squ- like, real squares and things. And I think it just flatter, better, easier on the computer itself as well. Yeah, and all of, all of these different trends that happen, you, you don't have to follow the trend. But it gives us more options of things that, that we can pull from. The important thing is that once you build it, it looks uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't want to look dated. You know, if you were to look at a website from 15 years ago, you'd go, oh, my God, that was done 15 years ago. Yeah. So it's important to constantly, you know, keep up on things. But there's, there are things that, um, that, that vary from, from time to time um, within what you're doing. Like you can have one site that's very... Uh, cartoony looking and then one that's very um, corporate looking and they're using the same trends just in different ways. So all about um, understanding the target demographic. It's yeah. all about the persona. Mm-hmm. They're actually yeah, what's the form. brand? Right. If you're going to design an edgy beer brand, you know, they're going to look different but use the same rules right. as a corporate website like Rims, our sponsor. Wink. Anyway, <laughs> but the, you know what? There are still some undeniable truths rules about graphic design. And one of those things has been um, the way we evaluate human behavior on when we read things, when we read things online, when we read things in front of us. And generally speaking, people read from right to left in this country. Anyway, they read from right to left, up and down, right? And um, so, you know, the eye falls in something called a Z pattern, which is where it reads from this way to this way, down to the corner and down. And and incorporating certain fonts that are easier on the eyes and stuff like that. Those are some some of the rules. Yeah, font font choice is a, a bigger deal than people think. A lot of people that try to do it themselves, they just, oh, just pick a font. And that's they how, always pick that's Comic how you Sans. End, end up with If Comic you leave Sans. somebody to their own devices, <laughs> the MT. they will pick Carlson <laughs> or they will pick, uh, what is the other one? Um, Bleeding Cowboy. Bleeding Cowboy. <laughs> Every edgy font is Bleeding Cowboy. We used Bleeding Cowboy we did on, for uh, for x Frank yeah. used Bleeding Cowboy, and I have forgiven him since then. But it is it is a great font, but it's just overused like crazy. Yes. 
we, we, we were, hey, we were one like of the first. 10 years ago. We were ahead of the game. We <laughs> were. So are you going to put up a, a bleeding cowboy for the people at home so they can see I, what I, I, like? I will put you up guys, uh, an ex-bowling example for everybody. You will recognize bleeding cowboys. It's the, it's the edgy font. Um, the friendly <laughs> font is Comic Sans, and the professional font is Carlson. Now, I'm lying. Don't, don't use those. No, if I saw a Comic Sans website, I would... Next, to, I wouldn't even oh, look yeah, at the website. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. well, you would think papyrus? it's a school, a school teacher doing it for something, their classroom right. or, or something. papyrus. Do you know papyrus font? It's like where there's like an F, but the yeah, cross doesn't really get me. High. That's that's my all time hated font is papyrus. Is it really? Oh gosh, so and Avatar used it, which is, blows mm-hmm. my mind. But it's a whole. It's so funny. Like when you get to nerd status, like Frank and I as designers, we have font preferences and we have fonts that irritate us. And that isn't papyrus irritates him. Bleeding cowboy irritates me. I had actually a drinking game that Zachary and I played a couple years ago, where every time I saw bleeding cowboy, I would, I would be like, take a drink. And of course, I didn't always have alcohol on me, so I have like I just have to write it down. So then one day I just get like hammered, you know. I'm like, well, I'm I supposed to take 47 shots today. I'm like, call an ambulance. Yeah, that happened. So anyway, back to rules, Frank. Tell me a little bit more about rules. Are there indeed compliance guidelines right now on certain websites? There are too. And a, a lot of this stuff goes even deeper with like Google search engine optimization, stuff like that. Yeah, Google has rules too. So if you're not kind of, if you're not building your sites to comply with like W3C compliance structure rules, stuff like that, you don't rank on, you don't, you know, the algorithms. They don't play well with you. Right. So it's almost like you're blacklisted before you even get started. Yeah. So there, there's a whole bunch of things that you have to be in compliance for. Um, and then even from like security settings with the way things are laid out, there, there's like HTTPS, all these different things you need to have in order to kind of comply with these rules. Um, again, if you don't comply and because Google is the big guy in town, you don't rank. So yeah, all these it, things have to come in play. It's not that your site won't show up. Right. It just won't show up on Google. <laughs> which, not on page which one. you're dead in the water before you even start. Don't worry, it'll be on Yahoo. <laughs> well, and you know, um, uh, SSL certificates, you talked about yes. the HTTPS. Yeah. Uh, used to be, and I'm talking like two years ago, it was optional. Right. If you were going to take a credit card, you had to have it. Had to have it. And then Google, Chrome, and all the other browsers decided that if you did not have a, a SSL certificate, they were going to tell the whole world to be scared of your yeah, website. This site is yeah. not absolutely your site is officially so, not secure. So what, if, if you guys have ever seen a website yeah. that's not secure, or if your web designer has ever told you that your site is not secure, that's what they're talking about. So what that's done is that's made it where us as designers, we don't have a choice anymore. Right. You have to have an SSL certificate. That's not a cost that you can avoid because if you avoid it it will be flagged and people will go, well, what's wrong with the site? They're going to steal my information. Whatever. And even to go a deeper layer, take a, take the accountability of being worried about not being a secure site. A lot of corporations, when they have their firewalls and stuff like that, and they're trying to access, let's say you're a vendor and they want to access your site and it's not secure, the firewall is going to kick the site out and say, no, we're not going to allow the user to actually even access the site. So there's a whole other layer of security that you're kind of not showing in public domain because you're not completely, complying to what the rules are that are laid out. So you may have this great thing for a vendor and be the ideal vendor for a corporation, but if you're not following the guide mm-hmm. to comply, you're, you're not, not even safe. able to, they can't even look at your website. So you, you don't even, you may even lose like a bid or, or whatever because you can't even be accessed in corporate America. Your website is not only an important part of the real estate, it is also a safe place for people to come and go. In order to make it safe, you must make it compliant. Yes. You must be able to play with the big boys, and the big boys being 
browsers, the browsers being owned by Google for the most part, Microsoft, things like that. Right? Yep. We all agree that websites need to be safe? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Everything needs to be safe in this world right now. And, and it needs to be, there, like, like we were saying, there's rules to make sure that Google will not blacklist it. Black, I mean, that's a scary term, but things like if your font on your web version is too small, it ranks lower on Google. There's yep. rules. There's, there's lots rules. of rules like design that. Rules, like design specs yeah. that you can't violate. or And they put it out there, though, for you to look at, right? Is there a way to find these rules? <laughs> uh, so the problem is it changes, though. It, it literally, it if you don't have like a marketing company kind of always on your site fixing these things, the average consumer is not going to understand that I need to be in compliance with all these things. Google like releases these rules for it fun almost, all the it time. It almost feels like it's daily because it's, it's always changing. It's like, oh, I'm not compliant. There's some guy that that is his job, his job. and he doesn't want to lose his job. So every day he wakes up, takes a shower and comes up with something. A new, new rule. That you have to a follow. lot of times as far as how to find out what these rules are, unfortunately, they are not somewhere where you can just find them. Um, but what we'll do is Google will usually have a online conference where they're streaming and the you know two people that made up this garbage <laughs> are explaining what the new rules are in what they've done they do that a couple of times of year a year and so you have to be aware that they've done this stream where to access it and then sit through this two hour long webinar pulling out the data from it oh right. they said if you do this and they're also very vague um, when when Google says this, they're they're like, well, if you do this, it's better. Right. They won't tell you they'll blacklist you. They'll say this is better. It's a preferred standard. Yes. We recommend read that as do it or die. Yeah. Well, you also have to upload your content, uh, update your content on a regular basis mm -hmm. because that's better. <laughs> do it or die. So you can't just build it and leave, right? Because it'll fa start it'll falling fall the in the ranks. You have to constantly right. be updating your site. Well, you bring up a really good point, and that was going to be my next point, is this is my nugget for those of you listening. If you are fortunate enough to already have a website, it's not enough to just have it, make it one time, I've had a website built, I'm good, and let it coast. You cannot. It's a living, breathing thing. It needs attention. It needs. It needs. You need to touch it all the time. You need to do something to it um, all the time. Keep it fresh. Keep um, updating and refreshing the content on it as well as making sure that it's just relevant and current as far as like is the trends and everything. It's on trend. You don't want to have an outdated website, especially well, if it's not representing your company right now. You know, the consumer too, they, they can pick up on it pretty quick, especially with design. Like they don't necessarily know design, but they can tell you when it's really bad design or can they tell you when they're going for information and it's the same stale information. Right. They won't come it back. And that's the user experience. Is that, that's, what we're, that's the UI UX part of it is the interface dictates what the experience and will we, be. We've all seen with COVID, we've all seen every single company that wanted to be relevant during the pandemic had to update their site to mention the yes. fact that mm -hmm. there was a pandemic going on. So if you just put up your site and left it there, then people are going to want to know, are they open during COVID? Let's go to their site and see. And they have no idea. Another thing that is timeless rules-wise uh, is design. So, Frank, talk to me a little bit about what makes a good design. Oh, there's, this can go on for hours. There, there's so much. You know, it's okay, it's, we're going to edit this later. So. <laughs> there's so much. And, and, and the biggest thing that I would tell my clients to when it came to design is to kind of remove the emotion out of it. It's not, you're, you're not designing for yourself. You're designing for your consumer. That's huge. And that, that's huge because a, a lot of times, you know, 
what I think is cool. And I made one of these bells and whistles, but when I put that in front of the consumer, it's completely irrelevant to them. They're not looking for that. You know, yeah, these be cool and these cool animations, but if it's not suited for the user to get the information they need, it's irrelevant. So being able to, for me, the very first thing for design is taking the emotion out and of it. And now when you say taking the emotion out of it, what you really mean is out your own emotion yeah, out yes. of it. Personal it doesn't mean preference. that your website is not emotional Correct. to the buyer, to the consumer, to the person visiting the site. But you as your own design self, don't put your own emotion. Yeah, it, it's able to separate myself from the design and say, I'm I'm going to do empathy for the, what the end user is. What I like may not necessarily be what the user likes. And you have to kind of be able to separate yourself from that and then use standard Wait, practices. you mean not always choose your favorite colors just no. because they're your favorite I, colors? I know, and it's hard to do. And, and Not I, every website is blue, people. <laughs> I struggled with that a lot early in my career where it was always what I thought was cool, what I thought you know, I'm showcasing myself. Like, this is what I can do. They hired me for my opinion. Right, like, I can make this really crazy-looking thing. But in the end, it's like, well, that's all great and all, and I'm glad you can do that. I'm glad I can do that. But when it comes to the end user, it's having the empathy for the end user. Yeah. You know, and being able what to What are they separate. trying to get out of going Cor- to your site? Correct. They're, they're there for a reason. They're not there for the showcase of you and how you design. It's not your portfolio. Correct. They care you about You know, I've told, I've told clients, there's, there's two things. One is I've told them the same thing that, that you just said, which is this website is not for you. It doesn't matter if your favorite color is pink. What matters is what your actual customers think. So that includes not just the designer, but the owner as well because a lot of times they'll want to do things according to their preferences Correct. and I tell them you are no longer the, the boss here the brand is the boss the brand tells us what to do and that's from you know the the consumer profile that we that we've developed it's a huge thing to kind of sure. to get a consumer or your client to say hey it's not about you anymore and I don't I don't, I don't want to say I don't care what you like because right. because their input is important but it takes maturity to understand that it does sure. you have to really accept that okay this isn't not about me and it's time to remove myself from that and I'm designing for because all it's going to help your business that's that's what you're there for well the, the the same thing happens with us when I have people you know that they come to us they want to work with us they want to see examples of our work and I'm like okay these are examples of our work and they showed the breadth of our work because not every website we design are you going to like because it wasn't made for you you know we have one that we made for a daycare that's very uh cartoon very kid friendly it's got jumping dolphins it's got all this stuff that is not going to appeal to a lawyer right but it shows the breadth of what we can do we can do something that you know we've done lawyer websites that are are very uh you know corporate looking and then we've done some that are you know more fantastical if you will it depends on who the audience is Mm -hmm. so when you're reviewing a portfolio you have to keep in that in mind too this it's not that this is bad it just wasn't built for you right and that's why i think customer research is, is, is so key because you, you really want to know who you're your singing client, the song of my people. Uh, seriously, like that, that user persona, it is all about that user persona. Like anything we do when we're going to design apps or, or corporate enterprise software, everything comes down to making personas. And I may have 50 different personas on the mom next door, the Billy down the street, you know, the 65 year old retired Absolutely. guy. It's, it's always being able to cater to those needs and separating out you know, still having the big picture in mind, but separating it out and and purely designing for that for that for that particular persona, and always knowing the audience, and always having research to back it, to to back it. So you're always dealing with data driven decisions. So you're not kind of you know, there's no guesswork. You always kind of know who your audience no is. No guesswork. No guesswork. That's the thing that's so important that we talk about a lot on the show is brand. 
if you have a brand, if your company has a brand, then all of this should be a lot easier for you. Right. Spend the money, take the time, do the the research, do the upfront stuff to know who your company is, who your audience is, not you, not who you want to sell to, who are you actually getting, you know, uh, making transactions with? Who are these people? Who are you? Who does, what does the company look like? What does the company sound like? Once you have determined that brand, allowing the design to shadow that is much easier than accidentally getting your own emotions up. But I like blue, but my brand says it's green. I, I guess I'll follow the brand. Yes, yes, you should always follow the brand. Yes. That's why the brand design books, present, brand, brand standards, books. all that stuff, mm-hmm. that's why they exist. Right. Make take, your job easier. I mean, right. just if you do it, if you do the work up front, it makes everything else a lot easier, and it helps you with checks and balances, so that you don't let a little bit too much of your own personality seep into the brand. Yeah, and you know, as far as as good design goes, there's a lot of things, uh, like you mentioned the the Z pattern. You know, the fact that in the United States we read from left to right, up to down. Um, in China, that's not the case. But here, that's and so your eye naturally follows certain patterns. And so we're going to place things in certain places on the site according to that pattern. You don't want it to be, uh, you know, too jumbled where there's too many things for the eye to focus on because that can contribute to bad design. Right. So good design has a very, you know, uniformed uh, focus point. It speaks directly to whatever it is you're trying to communicate to the viewer at that time, and it's laid out. And so, you know, when back when we used to do uh, print advertising, you remember newspaper? I did. Back when we used to do that, one of the things that, that we would tell people is don't be afraid of white space. People like white space. It helps you to breathe. You can't put too much in web design either, too much on a page, or people will, it's it's, it's not pleasant. It's they'll they'll want to keep going. So... You know, all of that, that's that's why we go to art school. That's why you, you learn, you know, the, the fundamental elements of design so that you can make it aesthetically pleasing to the user. Now, right. all the elements are determined by the user, but there are some very basic art principles that you have to know as a designer. Yeah, there needs to be a visual hierarchy on everything and a really clear call to action. So I mean, if, if you're missing that, then you're kind of, you're missing the boat on your website. I mean, that visual hierarchy is going to determine what you want that visual and what succession you want them to kind of view your material and always having that really clear call to action and driving that end user to do the things you want them to do. If you have stuff all over the screen and you're not allowing the layout to breathe and there's 25 different call to actions and multiple fonts, you're not giving that user the clear direction to kind of do what you wanted them to do and why they're there to be. So with. visual hierarchy almost sounds like a buzzword. Can you explain what that means to in layman's terms? So the importance of... Yeah, it's, it's the importance of what you want the, the end user to focus in on order. first. Yes. So like when we're designing apps, every if we know like the call to action is to get the user to sign up for an account, then I want to make sure from a visual standpoint and from a content standpoint, I am putting all the things in front of the user in a succinct order that's going to drive them to the call to action. Right. I'm always going to make sure that I am leading them down the path. It's almost like like Disney World when they're on a ride mm-hmm. and they're seeing the same. Th- every user is seeing the exact same thing at the exact same point in time they, that it's set up for that. So everyone has the exact experience. But Disney has it set up where they want that user to see everything they want them to see. Same thing Absolutely. with web design. I'm going to set up my hierarchy of, of visual 
you know, call to actions and I'm going to set it up and I'm going to lead them on that ride and drive them down to everything I want them to do and have the ultimate end goal is to click on the call to action button, type in the field, whatever I want them to drop to do by visually driving them in that direction. Yeah, there's there's copyright um, things related to that. You know, the, the headline is to grab your attention. It's not to inform you. It's to grab your, your attention. Once you have their attention, the paragraph is where you inform them. Correct. But, the, you know, so it's there's different purposes for different things. Uh, and it's important that you understand that because if you give every try to give everything away in the headline, there's no reason for them to read the paragraph. So there's, there's certain rules and, and rules, you know, fundamentals of design um, you're leading that, them. You're leading yeah, the user yeah. down you, to the you, ultimate. Exactly. You basically, you're telling them the path that you want them to follow. And I think. Subliminally. We don't say read this first. Right. <laughs> and I think too, you know, along with the psychology of how, how the eye falls, where people are find their interest, and also art school, knowing, you know, what mm-hmm. certain things are. I think there's also guidelines now on layout of websites in particular. Apps are a little different because apps can be all sorts of things but there's there's tends to be um like tradition like where contact us traditionally is or where the the um social media buttons might traditionally be on a website and i think people have come to kind of expect oh if i'm going to look for the contact us button assuming the call to action the the web the telephone number's not right in front of you um if i'm going to look for a contact us chances are i'm going to go high right yep you know, or Top I'm right just go corner. all the way down to the footer. And, and, it's, and it's the bottom right. <laughs> right. And so now you can get really fancy with your website and you can make it all sorts of really artistic and creative. But if you hide where people traditionally go to look for that contact us or about us or, you know, those yeah. types of button home, people click on the icon to go home. If that is not a hyperlink to your homepage, they will be clicking or trying to click on the little icon in the corner of the page is not going anywhere. Yeah, people it, are going to get frustrated. And, and that's unsaid now. People don't, I mean, it used to be in some, some sites they still do where they have home, but most people know nowadays that if you click on the logo, it's gonna take you you, home. it'll take you home. You've got yeah. savvy users. I mean, these are people, the generation of just, web. Just because that's the way things have been made. Right. Yeah, but then it also goes back to like, that becomes almost like a compliance role right. where if you have to have that index.html, your homepage on that logo, it's one of those things where, oh, if you don't have that, Google sees stuff like that. And that's like, a, you start going down the. Yeah, because Google knows what people have evolved into. And I think, you know, we've got these savvy users now who, just know that if I click on the logo in the top left that of your company, it's going to take me back to home. And Google says, yeah, people know that you need to do that. And if you don't do that, it's it's not recommended. And that, But it also goes back to, again, experience. Mm-hmm. We've conditioned people right. to where it creates a good experience where now by default, they by nature, like riding a bike, they know I'm going to hit that, that home button or that logo and I'm going to go home. And if you break that, you break the experience of what people are used to. And again, that breaks the customer journey. And that broken experience can lead to anxiety, frustration, stress, and honestly, a lack of trust. Because if that person visits your site and it doesn't function the way that they are used to websites traditionally functioning, then they don't know what they're looking at. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. Oh my God, I'll just call them. And again, they don't necessarily know that because they're not designers, but they know that. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. You know, they, they, they can, they, they know that, hey, this is not, something's not right here. I may not be able to pinpoint it, but why is it not behaving in a way that's accustomed and how it's standard right. across the board? Yeah. Right. 
And uh, another element besides just the design itself, but aspects of the design that I would like to talk about that we haven't discussed yet, and it touches a little bit on what you were talking about earlier, Frank, of uh, emotion. We talked about websites should be emotional or should elicit some sort of reaction from the end user, not necessarily of the designer itself. But um, one thing that people tend to use a lot of is video on websites. So I was wondering if you guys could talk to me a little bit about the use of video and web design. I personally believe that video is very, very, very important in good web design because people don't like to read. If, If you want to convey information to them, but they don't want to read it, the best thing to do is to put it in a video. Video is informative while also being entertaining. Entertaining is a huge piece of that. Um, And one of the things that's bad design is having too much text on your page. You can say an awful lot in this amount of space in a video. Yep. And it can be emotional and you have um, music, you have all of this stuff. You can accomplish so much more with video than straight visual design. But, but I will say, and I agree with that 100%, but it also goes back to target demographic because if you look at like a millennial or a Gen Y, they're not going to read. They're, they're expecting to have that. Oh, absolutely. That. If, you, if you don't have it, something's wrong. But like my mom or my dad is not. They're, they're not clicking on that. They're not clicking on necessarily. They, they may not, they want to read. They want to read. So it's almost coming. What is the, the mean, the middle point of it's not too much content. I'm going to convey the message I want to convey and I'm going to appease this audience for this. But then knowing that I may have a Gen X, Gen Y, millennial who's not going to read anything and they want to hit the, the play button. Sure. So it's kind of like that, that. And I would that take that a step further and say, I think it's important to have both on the website because different people learn in different ways. And, um, you know, for example, they want to read or they want to watch a video. Some just are stimulated by pictures, whatever gets them to that point. Also, I mean, there are people that if you just have a video, they might be looking at your website in a place that they don't have audio. So, right. you know, if you know, like they can't play it at work, they, they don't have it or they can't play it out loud, in which case they're like, oh, man, I've got to wait till I get home to, to like learn about this product. And then you're running the gamble that they might not do that. So you want to make sure that they're getting the information that they need when they're there. I, I think a lot of it has to do, again, with expectations, like you said. Um, boomers, actual boomers, not what millennials call boomers, but people that are my parents', my parents age. Right. Um, they, Whatever, boomer. They, st- <laughs> they still read the newspaper. Yeah. If it wasn't for them, newspapers wouldn't exist anymore because I don't pick up a newspaper. Um, but I also don't go to the Wall Street Journal and, and read their website. I want to go to, I, I may go to the news website, but I want a video report of whatever the news is right. because I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit there and, and read it. If, if I want to read something, I want it in my hands, Yeah, but I'm not going to buy a newspaper. <laughs> so, you know. But then it goes back to, it is so important that you hit your target demographic and your user persona. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, if you're going to be making promises or warranties or things, have it in writing, write it down. I think uh, there well, are some things that need to be in text. I think if you're going to have promises made, warranties, guarantees, things like that, that should be also at least in writing. Yeah, you can't make a website that doesn't have any text. You have to have some text. Which actually, that used to be a trend, actually, having like where you go to a homepage and it's just a video there. That's not not cool. But again, Google, the powers that be, says, hey, we, we can't index just the video. Right. You have to have some stuff for Google. Right. Yeah, they're little spiders or whatever. Even even when it's well, YouTube has gotten a little bit better because you can actually have the synopsis of the videos now, and 
because Google, they're all connected, it kind of can pull yeah, some of that. Yeah, they do read video differently now. Right. But, so still, you but still, you still need something. You should have at least enough uh, text copy there to satisfy the main elements of what the video is about. Right. And then the video itself can go into a deeper dive. And video also does something that's really great. It can evoke emotion easier and more quickly through video to evoke emotion for the people watching. It really is a, a, a no-brainer nowadays. It's the most communicative tool that we have on the internet. You know, it incorporates multiple senses, you know, reading. You can't taste it. But, <laughs> I don't but, know, dude. Have you ever, sound, like, you, know, you ever watched like a Wendy's commercial? With the steam, it makes you, <laughs> you, can makes taste you salivate. That. Can you yeah. taste that? I, I can, can taste, taste that. It. And if you get in the car, because I can taste it to go get it. You know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it really does just make sense to me to, I mean, you have to include uh, video. It's like the, the guy from SCORE last time we were here, he was, like, he was talking about if you don't have video, you are completely missing the boat. And not only can you use it on your website, but you can share it on, use it on social oh, media. Yeah. People can share it. You can, you can take one video shoot and use it for your television commercial. I mean, there's so much that you can do. Well, provide the virality. Yeah. The, the factor to get it out there in a, in a greater. Absolutely. You know, Everybody wants to be viral. Yeah. Make it be for something that counts mm-hmm. for once. If a picture is worth a thousand words, 25 frames per second is worth a lot of words. Absolutely. <laughs> like Zachary said, it's very shareable and it's universal. You can put it on your social media. You can put it in your website. You can use it in lots of different ways, whatever creative way you can think of. So it'll reach more people and get farther. Now, what are talking about video? What are your opinions, gentlemen, on I people shooting stuff on their iPhone and then having a professional camera crew come in. It all comes down to the, the, the passion is in the mix is what they used to say in the music business. It all comes down to your skill. Your tool is not really the Oh, your the, tool the can problem. matter. It depends on what phone you have. It also <laughs> depends on what it's capable of. Absolutely right. right. I have, a, you know, a, a camera that is worth several, several thousands of dollars that I don't use in the podcast studio. In the podcast studio, I have several 4K cameras that are this big. They look like iPhones because they are. And it's perfectly fine for what we're doing in here. Social media video, it's fine. It's the skill and how you you stitch it together, knowing how to edit, knowing, you know, how to frame up your shot, knowing all of that stuff is what matters more than the tool. Now, that being said, you have to have the tool for the job. I would not go to shoot a commercial for television or a movie with an iPhone mm-hmm. uh, because the the iPhones are perfectly applicable to this particular situation, but it, they're extremely limited when it comes to other situations. So you have to have the right tool for the job. But um, you know, there's people that hate on folks for using uh, iPhones, but iPhones shoot 4K. If that meets your requirement. Go for it. Although I will say, we, we definitely lose the cool factor. Hey, we got the camera. We got the film crew out oh, here. We no, all got the yeah. iPhones. We're going to look at you like you're crazy. There is no you know. prestige to showing up to a paid client shoot with an iPhone, with an iPhone and a tri- like a little tripod and yeah. or like a steady cam that you're just holding. Like basically it looks like a selfie stick yeah, and you're yeah. just like, no, no, we're all good. Right, guys. This is totally worth the money you're paying. Trust me. Because the money's in the uh, edit. Right. No, I agree. Money's we, in we the edit. lose the cool factor. But I mean, I think, you know, the tool... If it works, it it, it, it works, really you know. depends on the situation that you're in. You pick the tool for the situation. I am not going to buy five red cameras, which are Fancy. unbelievably expensive, 
for a podcast studio. However, I'm not going to take an iPhone to a shoot. Plus, you have problems with lighting. You have problems with the, the color matching. What you can do on the iPhone is very, 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 very limited. Is it good enough for what you're doing or is it not? You know, you have to have the skill to know that. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about the UI UX, the user uh, interface, user experience. After all these people come together, attack this project, build this site, what happens after the site is launched? I know some companies hire web staff in-house. What do you do after the launch? Um, well, there's, there's lots of things um, that you do. Number one, you have to constantly keep updating content, which we talked about a, mi- a minute ago. Um, the other thing that the, the employees will do, the UI UX staff will do, is they have to constantly stay in front of trends. If they see something happening, their job is to keep on the pulse so that they can update the company's website in t- before, so that they're not late to the party. So that's a that's a big, a big constant piece innovations, of it. kind of constant, yeah. in, in a, kind of you know always kind of looking at where you are in market, constantly iterating over and over, adding functionality, fixing functionality. Uh, improving experiences. It's, it's Fixing functionality is a big one. It's a huge. Because when, when things change so much, things on your website might not function correctly oh, sure. anymore. Yeah, things change all the time. Um, but that, making sure that you're still relatable uh, to people as as the industry changes, as our society changes, as trends change, you have to make sure that you're still relevant to the marketplace. So mm-hmm. keeping your, your site relevant is another thing. Uh, constantly updating the content that you have. Uh, if you're a retail shop, you have things to go on sale all the time. You have seasons that you have to make to to go through. All of that needs to be reflected on your website. If your web if your business has seasons, those seasons need to be manufactured needs to be represented over time on on your website. So that's what um, you know. After it's built, you don't just leave it alone. There's things to do uh, to do beyond that. And looking for upcoming trends is is a big one. And there's a lot of trends that, that I even see now that um, we're not doing anything about, but there will come a time when we will have to. Those things include, uh, people are starting to use higher frame rates on their cameras. Um, so traditionally we shoot everything at 24 frames per second. Well, now you can start seeing people pushing the envelope with 60 frames per second on their, their video, which gives it this hyper reality thing, which, we have not been desirable, but it's starting to become more. So that's something that's that's coming. The other thing is um, audio search. I tell you, that is coming. We've seen uh, the Echo and Alexa and all of that where you can search the internet from your home using those devices. It's coming to the web experience. Yep. It's coming. That That's a big thing. Like all of the design software packages that we do for, for app development or web development, it all has the... Uh, voice-enabled experience Absolutely. to start being able to prototype in voice. So That's that is crazy. a huge, huge thing. It was introduced about two years ago, like in a mass, like in, in, in a lot of the production suites that we use. And that's exploding right now is, is the voice, like what Zachary said, the, the search and all that stuff. Because you don't need the internet, the web anymore. Now you've got you, you don't, you don't need a keyboard. Everything. Yeah, You just Lazy talk. Lazy bones. <laughs> well, we call it progression. Uh, evolution but you know vr is another thing that's coming augmented reality reality. yeah um those those are are centered largely on the the mobile phone right now where you can you can make augmented reality through the camera um but you know 
all of our our software that we you know programs that we keep to run the agency include the ability to do VR now. Um, but you know the public's not there yet, but we know it's coming because they're giving us the tools to build it. Um, so you know, staying aware of all that stuff so that when it does come, you're ready to hit the ground running. That's a that's a big piece as well. Can you uh, tell us any other things, any other trends that might be on the horizon, Frank? The, the big stuff that we see is the augmented reality. I think, I think personally, I think augmented reality is going to dominate the web space. I think websites, although they will be required, they're not going to be as relevant as being able to look in your glass, like Apple's coming out with the glasses where you can see headlines coming on the glasses through augmented reality and stuff like that. How do we innovate? How do we start taking it for augmented reality and, and doing registration through glass or, or hologram, stuff like that. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing to look out for. And again, I still think the web is going to be a component, but again, it's with progression. It's, it's going to adapt into a whole other yeah, way. Technolo- technology changes things. Yeah, It absolutely does. And eventually we'll move. I mean, today we're talking about web design, but eventually, you know, digital presence will grow outside of the it's internet. Gets, like it blurring the lines, really, between what is now a digital experience and what is your well, everyday experience. The, the, a lot of people, let's see, how much do I want to talk about? A lot of people with the whole coronavirus thing think it's a cover-up for a conversion to 5G. Uh, and if you don't know what 5G is... Don't want to talk about that. 5G is... Uh, it's digital and it's big brother and it's has a whole bunch of capabilities that scare the crap out of people. But um, it's, it's, I'm not saying that this pandemic is a cover up of 5g, but 5g exists and it's coming at some point. Um, it, that's it. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, you can have a camera that's up in front of a bank and it can tell who you are through facial recognition so that by the time you get to the counter, they've already pulled up your account, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, things that, that you can't do now without a keyboard. Um, and so they'll be able to, you know, they're the cops in their cars. They have cameras that search and run license plates without a human touching it so that they can say, Hey, that person, that car has a warrant, this blah, blah, blah without. So that stuff, I mean, it, it's coming. Yeah. Ooh, we just touched on almost controversial stuff, which was almost. very, very exciting. It's very thrilling. <laughs> very, very dangerous. Okay, Frank, so there's all these resources that are available to business owners so that they can do it themselves. They can make their own websites like Squarespace and Wix and, and WordPress, things like that. What is your opinion, professional UI UXer? Don't ever use them. I, and, and the reason why, I mean, okay, they're there. People want a website, they want to throw it together, that's great. But again, are you accomplished? I have a website, did, did that accomplish my goal? Anyone can have a website. I don't care, you know, if, just because of a website does not make me relevant or does not make my product sell sell or, or gonna engage that interaction with the consumer. It's like, okay, yeah, I've got a website and I've got a, a site like Wix or all these other off the shelf things that can give me a bunch of features that I could just throw it on there and I could throw buttons everywhere. What's the meaning behind the buttons? Where's the call to action? Yeah, you, you don't necessarily know what you're doing because you're not a designer. Right. You're it's, trying it's to do it yourself. Yeah, how do you go in there and rebrand a template to make it yours if you have no idea what you're doing? You can't. And again, it gives you tools, but what good is a tool if you don't know how to use it? And what good is having a set of tools if the end goal is not going to give you the result you're, you're expecting? Right. 
And a lot of these things, uh, and a lot of the reasons, one of the things that they sell people on is templates. Well, we have this template that you can use. Well, if you use a template, you're going to look just like everybody else. And when people look at your website, they're going to go, oh, this looks just like the, their comp- competitor that I just came from. So templates are bad. Yeah, you're going to have pages that you don't need just because they were part of the template. So you're like, I don't know, I don't need a blog page, There's but I guess I'll worse, put something in it. Nothing worse than going to a website and seeing Greek text there. Now, yes, Greek no. is when you guys, have you guys ever been to a website right and seen um, copy on a website or really anywhere, but on a website that looks like it's written in a foreign language and it's not a foreign language. It just looks like it's like a bunch of random assortment of, t- of letters. That's called writer's Greek. And that's what we're making fun of right now. Yeah, but you know, when, when, you, when you say template, I think it's really, really important to, for the audience to, to know and the consumer to know is your consumers, okay, I may have a template, but your consumer is not a template, right. okay? It is not it one is size not, fits all. No, it's like you that user has a, has a persona and a reason for why they're buying your goods or services. A template is a one size fits all. How can you put your, your user in that box as a template? It's, it's it's different needs. It's different wants. It's there. There is no. It's not square hole round peg. It, it it doesn't work that way. It's right. It's like okay. I have a template. Well, what what does that mean? You're, you're a template. Well, how is that going to help? How am I going to sell my car or my business to you? I bought a size large T-shirt for you. Is that okay? Zachary, do you want a large T-shirt? And then the, hey, you know, 19-year-old girl, a large T-shirt? Like, no, it's different. It's important to know your users are not templates. They are a persona, and they are there for a common good and a common reason on why they're visiting your site. And you can't treat them as just another template. you probably want them to come back to your site. Correct. You You want them to have such an amazing experience the first time that they come back. You've got one shot. And usually you've got like 15 seconds to lure them in. And if you don't get them, they're gone. And right. that lead oh, is gone. Absolutely. If you think about it from a dating perspective, you know, they always say you get one ch- uh, chance to make a first impression. When you go on a date with somebody, what is that like? Usually it's one date or maybe like a half an evening. Because, you know, by the first half of the evening, you kind of you know. know whether or not you're going to like excuse yourself to the bathroom and have your best friend call in some sort of emergency so that you can leave. That's never happened. I'm just saying. Um, or, you know, you know what? I like being here. I like this experience. You have like an entire date for that. Well, phone calls, if you've ever had anybody make cold calls, the window is a lot shorter. Okay. You know what? I'm going to give you five minutes. You have five minutes to tell me why you're on the phone with me or else I'm going to, I'm going to go. Websites are even shorter. People's attention span. There's so much available to people to, with Google. I mean, I can find your goods or services just by Googling. And I can find you and all of your competitors just by Googling. But if I land on your site, you have like three seconds to make sure that I'm in the right place and that I'm with the right company and that I don't need to go back to Google to try to find another company. And it goes back to how is the template going to fulfill and take care of that need? It's right. not. Well, the other thing as far as those those other tools you mentioned, you know, Wix, um, WordPress, that sort of thing, is the, what it will do, what you can do with that in your hands as a business owner that, you know, makes really good chili is different than it would be in one of our hands. Now, because we know design, we could use those tools and make something better than you could. Um, So it's not about the tool. It's about the skill that's behind the tool. I used to absolutely hate WordPress because of the limitations that you were given 
within WordPress. Now, since then, the platform has grown and there's a lot more flexibility that as a creative, I like to have when I'm designing something. I don't like to be put in a box where I can't do what I want to do. Yeah, CSS now, you can change yeah, a lot. And a lot of those um, platforms are very limited in what you can do. Um, and so I used to hate it, but now I, now, you know, it's again, technology changes over a long period of time. So now I've, I can build it in WordPress if you want it in, in WordPress. Do I prefer WordPress? No. And I was going to say that's because, you know, Zachary being somebody that knows code, that knows coding, that understands design elements, that does this professionally. How easy is WordPress to work in? Well, really? Uh, WordPress has a tendency to fight against what I want it to do a lot of these templates um, yeah which is why i still prefer to build things from scratch straight from from code um but there's also things that are available now like you know bootstrap and things that are you know in, in a designers and developers toolbox that is different than it it used to be but yeah, it's like having a sawzall those elements you still need to know yeah and design it there's out no right. point in having a sawzall or a monkey wrench if you don't know how to use it so i mean but, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, go ahead. Obviously, there's no reason to reinvent the wheel if I've got bootstrap tools to use. Right. I'm going to use them. But as you, you still need a professional firm or a designer to know how to use them and how yeah. to apply it. And that's really the, the biggest point, I think, here. It's not that whether you're using these tools or whether you're not. The problem that I have is Wix telling people you can do it yourself because you can't. Unless you are skilled in design, you... you Doing it, telling you you can do it yourself is like handing a, a knife to a five-year-old. You just don't do it um, because your website is too important for you to leave it to somebody that doesn't really understand what they're doing. Now, if you're first starting out and you're throwing a page up that says business coming soon or, or whatever, then that's perfectly fine. You have this idea for a business, it's not anything. But the second you start trying to make money with it, you need to do what's best for your company and most of the time your 13 year old nephew is not the answer yeah you wouldn't let your 13 year old nephew make the chili if you were if you're selling chili <laughs> you're gonna let the person that knows how to make the chili sell the chili but, you know i'd even say like a, those off the cuff kind of template sites that you can do like a wix and all that i've used them before to try to do something fast and, and i'm honestly i think there's a misconception that it's just as easy i've gone in there and, I, and i've been doing this stuff for 25 years I have a problem going in there and I don't know how to, because they're not user friendly and I'm not, I'm looking for an experience and trying to get the things that I know that need to They're not user friendly if you want to customize them at all. Not, That's not what all. you're saying. Yeah, if you, you just want to go in there and blindly drop in what yeah, they tell you. Use their template, and, you'd be fine. Right. Yeah, but there's, it, it's not, you know, people think, oh, I'm going to get this great website quick. Someone who's been doing it forever, I can't even go in there and make a great website quick because it, it doesn't give you the features that you need to give a correct site well that's it wix will never be a sponsor <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by wix <laughs> probably not but yeah i i would in in I, I would advise you to take all of those commercials that you see you know you're on youtube and they say hey wouldn't you like to use wix logo maker wix cannot make your logo because they don't know your company so all of those tools, it's they're selling you. It goes back to the buzzwords. They're telling you things to sell you something. They're not necessarily what's best for your business. They're selling the idea, and that's yeah. about it. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. Yep. You get what you pay for and uh, understand, first and foremost, how important your website is to your company and is 
what you're paying for it and how you're going about it, giving, doing it justice. You know, is it, is it taking care of your site the way that it needs to be? If not, you might need to hire somebody else to do it for you. Somebody knows what they're talking about. Somebody that, that does websites for a living instead of just always trying to do everything on your own. Plus, you know, like we said before, you can't just do it once and leave it. If, if you've decided to take this on as your own, you've got to make, make sure you go in there and refresh the content you know, regularly. This goes, this goes back to a, a chapter that I wrote in my book, which is the whole build versus buy. Um, that chapter, and I don't have a copy of the book in here, but that chapter is all about whether you should do it yourself or if you should hire somebody else to do it. And there's an evaluation that you can go through, at least in the workbook, that'll help you determine... I have the workbook here. ...that it, it will... Let me see. Hold on. I have the workbook. So, yeah, if you... If you... There's there's an evaluation of whether it's worth your... Flip through the pages. Whether it's worth your, your time, if you have the skill that's necessary, um, if it's going to be the quality that you need it to be. And then there is the investment cost. All of those pieces kind of go into should you do it yourself or should you hire a professional uh, to do it? Um, so, you know, it's a question that you have to ask yourself every day. And this comes right along down to it. If you can use Wix and build a professional site, not one that they tell you is professional, but actually a professional site, go for it. Yep. But the chances are you, as you know, the number one widget maker in, in Utah, are not going to be able to do it because it's not what you do for a living. It's just, it's unfair, I think, for these companies to promise things that actually cannot be delivered upon. Because at the end of the day, it's less about just having a website thrown up and more about having a website that functions well and that provides a good experience right. for the end user, which is what this podcast is actually about, the experience. That's a little tie-in you had there. Well, Bring it see, home you do that? Well, it's like yeah. a book, <laughs> bookends. bookends. Yeah. So, Zachary, having said all this, what is today's straight shot? Um, well, first I would say don't be scared by buzzwords that you hear. Uh, and don't let them lead you astray. Um in conversations. A lot of people use buzzwords to pull the wool over people's eyes. Yeah, they have no idea what it is. Yeah. Uh, UI and UX, it sounds super complicated. It means building a website, guys. Um, so don't, you know, and it's it's the same with any, cor you know, corporate world is filled with, with buzzwords. So just, you know, know what it means and then go from there. Next and most importantly, I would say, is you need good design that incorporates the user experience and a good user interface. So it's not this or that. You Can't need both. Can't have one without the other. <laughs> um, now, for obtaining that, it comes down to two age-old elements, form and function. This is an ancient debate, which is more important, right? But I agree with Mutt Lang. Of course you do. Do you know who Mutt Lang is? I do know who Mutt Lang is. You know is. who Mutt Lang is? I actually don't. Mutt Lang is a famous record producer that was working with one of the guitarists for Def Leppard. Now, that's an 80s rock band for you millennials that have no idea who I'm talking about. <laughs> he was yelling at them and saying that their playing was sloppy and that he had no technique. And the guitarist fired back and said, what does it matter? Whatever happened to heart and soul? And Mutt's response was, yeah, whatever happened to both, you know, technique and feel. 
both are important. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. You know, too much flash without enough substance is bad, but too stripped down and basic is boring. So it doesn't matter how true or how right what you're doing is if nobody wants to look at it. So the, the fact of the matter is form and function are both important. So basically your design must include three different pieces. There's three different criteria. Okay. The first thing you look at is, is it useful? Will it work? Will it function for what you need it to function for? The second is, is it usable? Which means, is it easy to operate? Does it make sense to the person that's going to use it? It doesn't matter if it's going to function, if it's not easy to function. Okay. So those are two things. The third is, is it desirable? Is it attractive and entertaining to various degrees? So it's very important that you look at all three of those whenever you build anything. Is it useful? Is it usable? And is it desirable? Is it attractive and entertaining? Oh, and include video. It's part. It's a great way to get all three of these accomplished. Yeah, it bring it makes it elicits emotion. Absolutely. There's no point in bringing somebody to the site if it's not going to get them where they need to go. And there's no point in having places to go if nobody really wants to go to the site. Well, it's one, not that exciting. The, here's an example I can give you of, of those three things. Um, if you take the steering wheel in a car. Ooh, what kind of a car? Steering wheel is, mm, <laughs> a steering wheel is a tool, okay? Now, steering wheel was not the first way to drive a car. The first way to drive a car had a stick, very much like a, a rudder in a boat. Okay, and it was a stick, and you held it, and you pulled it this way or that way. You sat, the driver sat in the middle of the car, and he moved this stick like a boat rudder in order to get where you were going. Now, it was functional. The stick did drive the car, but it wasn't very user-friendly because you're constantly having to move your body back and forth like this. Nobody could sit on either side of you, right? So the steering wheel, you could stay in one place, not have to move your body, and you move your arms, and it was much more user-friendly. So it was usable and user-friendly. And then, well, you put that in a Corvette or a Lamborghini or a Porsche, and then it's attractive. I thought that the first car was a Flintstone car. <laughs> Flintstone car had, had a steering wheel, so no. No, it wasn't. They, oh, they were, because like with their feet. Okay. <laughs> I'm always wrong. Okay. That was your straight shot for the day? That's it. Those, okay, those three points... Vitally important. It seems so simple, doesn't it? It's, you know, humans have a tendency to make things much more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. If you have the skill to do it, you have the know-how and the wisdom behind it, and then you have the proactivity to get it done, mm -hmm. swallow your pride and do whatever it is, life is easy. Yeah, and start with a good brand. Know your target audience. That's part of the homework that goes up front. That's what I say. Start with a good brand, know who you are, Know who your target audience is, who's actually going to be coming to the site, and that's half your battle. Once you know those things, the rest will be a lot easier for you. And I'm going to stop it right there <laughs> before we do anything else, guys. Right. I think this draws us to a close for today. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe from wherever you are viewing uh, or listening to this podcast. Pandora, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, YouTube, Facebook, wherever. It really makes a difference in the platform Algorithm Police. Be sure to like and subscribe. 
Thank you very much. Feel free to reach out to us if you have any topical suggestions or if you'd like to be a guest. Email us at info at straightshot.net or you can always call us at 678-825-8086 extension 300. Frank, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, Again, on our show, in case you didn't know, Frank's a a, a second timer. That's right. He was on the Star Wars episode. I was. You we, whenever we have by making me uh, an animated gif in the office for yes. the playing with toys. Right. The, whenever we have super nerdy topics, we reach out to Frank. <laughs> He's our resident nerdist. Yeah, thanks. So you're, that. you're a professional nerdist. There you go. That's what you are now. I can accept that. It's always a pleasure to have you in studio. Thank you, guys. Thank you for being here and uh, showcasing your giant brain for us. And until next time, guys, bye. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening. If you found this podcast informative, we hope you'll pass along our web address, straightshot.net, to your friends, colleagues, and business associates. And please leave us a positive review on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash straightshot. If you would like to have your question featured on the show or would like to be a guest, call 678-825-8086, extension 300. Or you can email us at info at straightshot.net. Be sure to download the Straight Shot podcast app on your smartphone.